Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of the Tourpreneur Podcast. My name is Shane Whaley and I am here to help you flatten that learning curve to grow or indeed to start your own tour operator business. Today we're joined on the show by Nikki Padilla Rivera. Nikki spent five and a half years at Urban Adventures, most known for her role as a guide success manager. And that's what I really wanted to talk with her today. Nikki's going to share with us five things that tour operators, tourpreneurs can do today to keep our tour guides engaged. Now, this is based on practical information. This isn't theory because Nikki actually, uh, as I said, worked as a guide success manager. What does that actually mean? Well, Urban Adventures has tour guides all over the world. So Nikki was involved with guide commitment, employee retention, and happiness. She was working on or responsible for tour guide quality in terms of brand consistency across experiences and also working with cultural values and creating a positive work culture. So she's got a lot to share with us on this subject and their practical takeaways. I also couldn't let Nikki leave without talking about what makes a great tour guide. And she shared with us the three attributes she feels is really important for a great tour guide. I had chat to her about why should a tour guide who wants to start their own business potentially join a company such as UA? Uh, why should they join a franchise rather than go it alone? It's not a sales pitch for UA in any way at all. I'm just curious about her understanding of that. Uh, and, and Nikki also shares some resources. I mean, I asked her, how can tour guides improve themselves during this downturn uh, during the coronavirus. So Nikki shares some resources and ideas there. So there's plenty in this episode for tourpreneurs and for our tour guide listeners. Show notes available at tourpreneur.com forward slash 75. Did you know every weekday Shane curates the most interesting news articles in tours and activities and sends them out in a snappy daily digest? Grab your copy of the Tourpreneur Daily Briefing at www.tourpreneur.com. Welcome to Tourpreneur, Nikki. How are you doing? Thank you. Good. How are you? Uh, <laughs> what a question in this day and <laughs> I know, age. I know. As tourpreneurs, we're always inclined to say doing well, but we're not really. How's the mood? You're based in Brooklyn, correct? Queens. You're in Queens. I beg your pardon. How's the mood there? It's like a movie. It feels very much like a movie lining up at the grocery store. Everyone in their masks. Very strange. It is bizarre, isn't it? I was in the supermarket the other day wearing a mask kind of for the first time following our governor's advice. And it's like, you're right. It's like a 70s sci-fi movie gone wrong. 
Yeah, it's so strange. And, you know, with your gloves on and but then, of course, there's the other strange parts that are nicer where people are waving to one another and, you know, neighbors are coming out and checking on one another. And so that's been nice as well. Yeah, there's been a lot of acts of kindness that have come out through this, which kind of, uh, yeah, is inspiring. But I, I wanted to talk to you today because you have a lot of experience working with tour guides across the globe because at Urban Adventures, you were, what was your official job title there? My official title was Guide Success Manager. And what did that role entail? At the end of the day, I think my role entailed getting consistency and quality across all of our tours. Because you have to imagine Urban Adventures is in 160 plus cities with 160 plus local teams and upwards of 2,000 freelance guides. So I was sort of the person to kind of take everyone together and make sure, okay, every guide is getting the same onboarding. Every guide is getting the same information about the brand, that they're executing their tours in the same way. That was a bit of work to get everyone all together and all the same page. But I think we did a pretty good job. We had a customer NPS of 81 and our guide NPS, more importantly for me, was 80. So we had very, very engaged guides who are really, really committed to giving that quality tour. Yeah, that, that's a big job. I remember from my days at Booking.com and Get Your Guide, you know, working globally. Uh, and I did actually work for a while in learning and development, as it was then called, working with managers across the world and just making sure everyone has that same level of onboarding. One of the reasons that I wanted to talk with you today, we were chatting uh, via email, is you've got five things that tour operators can do to keep tour guides engaged. And I wanted to dig into those with you and share it with all of our listeners who want to keep their tour guides engaged as we go through this pandemic crisis. Yeah, I think um, one of the nice things about this is this is actually something that I would give on a normal training to local teams because we have the issue of off-season for your guides. And there's always this question of, okay, well, what can we do during the off-season so that our guides remember us, that they're excited to come back? Because of course, freelance tour guides, tour operators don't always want to think about this, but they're working for tons of different companies. <laughs> and they can in fact make way more money on their own as opposed to working through a tour operator in some cases. So I think it's something that's really important. Yeah, I'll bring you through the five things. And I guess the very first question I'd have people ask before they even start these things is what are they actually offering guides of value? It's going to be very different for each guide. It's going to be very different depending on where the region is, whether you have career guide in Asia or in Europe who went to school for 10 years and is a doctorate in art history and you know all of these things compared to a guide perhaps in the U.S., who's doing this on the side, maybe doesn't require a license. So it's going to be very different, but I think it's very important to sit down and think about, okay, what do I offer? And maybe during this time, reframing it as what can I offer to guides of value once we're back up and running? So things like, you know, what are you practically offering? Is it amazing pay? Maybe the answer is no, and that's okay. But just the reality, are you actually offering guides a lot? Is this a great business for them? Or maybe it's volume of work. Maybe you're offering them so much volume that they can build a much better monthly paycheck consistently thanks to being pickup tours with you. Maybe you're listed on major OTAs or partnered with big brands that they could never get a contract with on their own. Or maybe you're offering them a sense of community. That's a huge thing. Most guides work alone and don't often interact with other tour guides, right? I can't stress enough how important team meetings are for creating a sense of work culture and community amongst guides. So all these are different things. Education opportunities you're offering them, career opportunities. So I would first think about that and then ask the guides 
That's the most important thing. Guides are so different depending on the city, on the region. So what they find valuable is going to vary. So I would definitely start there. After that, as I said, I have five ways you can offer your guides value right now. And I've tried to be conscious of making these to take as little to no resources besides a bit of planning time. And these, as I said, can be used also in low season in the future. So there's something you can keep using. First one, guide to guide education. Each guide is going to be really good at one thing over all other guides. And maybe that's about a topic. Maybe you have a guide who's a sommelier. Maybe we have a guide in Delhi who is famous on his team for always being able to take irate guests and make them have a great time. So wow. maybe there's someone who's really, yeah, he's, they would always give him the trouble ones and then say, how'd it go? And he'd say, oh, it was fine. It was fine. What did he do? I don't know. If I could bottle that magic, I would make a lot of money. Yeah, he was excellent. He was really excellent at that. But that's what I'm saying, right? Each guide has this like special skill, being good with kids, all these things. So the most effective training in my experience has always been guide to guide. They're way more interested in listening to each other and to someone who's currently out in the field. So that's one really easy thing. And guides love teaching things to other guides also. So it's a pretty easy sell for them. The second one is guest speakers. So getting someone to come, again, maybe it's through Zoom right now, or maybe it's in person later on, but getting someone to talk to your guides, call in some favors, right, from friends you have, talk to vendors on your tour, relatives that you have, whatever freebie resources might be available from someone like Margaret Hicks, who I believe you've had on your show, or Claire from the Thinking Museum, or, you know, Kelsey, they have all these great online resources too. But I think getting someone to come speak to your guides is really wonderful. We actually, in New York City, I hosted all of the guides at my house for a barbecue one summer and had my grandpa come talk to them. My grandpa's wow. 93 years old. He's the son of immigrants, has lived in New York City all his life, have lived in all the little Italys, you know? And so it was so cool for the guides to come and talk to him and hear his stories about growing up in the city and what it was like and, you know, what he experienced during different peak times in the city through history that maybe their tours are related to. Um, so that's huge and something that everyone can access. Everyone has an aunt or a grandpa or a neighbor who has these amazing stories that could be used on a tour. So that's another really fun, engaging one. The third is, this is a little harder maybe to organize, but getting a traveler. So whether it's an actual guest who's come on your tour, I know a lot of tour guides still maintain relationships with a lot of people, so that might be more doable, but kind of having an ask me anything with a guest. And it's amazing. We've done this a couple of times with the guides at Urban Adventures. And, you know, the guides are always a little shy at first, but then it always gets down to the question of how can I get you to leave me a review by the end of the tour? How can I get you to give me a tip without saying that outright? And it's really funny to hear the guests very honestly answer those questions. So it's a great opportunity for the guides to really get ask a guest what their experience is like being on a tour. Yeah. And I wonder with that one, this might be a British thing, but when people said, was that just here at a restaurant? How was your meal? Oh, it was great. Thank you. Even if it was awful, <laughs> we very rarely complain. I guess really you want the AMA with a guest who's not scared to be open for fear of offending anybody. And that's how you get the real feedback, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, exactly. And I've seen that guests are very happy to do that. As you said, outside of the tour. Whenever we've had a guest come in, they, you know, they think it's very exciting. They think, you know, ooh, they get to 
give this information and, and be the center of attention. So it's, it's always really beneficial on both parts, I think. Definitely. Definitely. I like that one. The fourth one that I had was sharing personal stories for different tours. I'm a big fan of storytelling as a lot of tourpreneurs are. And I think those personal stories are really what makes the tour unique. But I'm also a big fan that it doesn't have to be your personal story. Sometimes it does. You, you can't always tell the same story. But I think there are some stories and experiences, especially if you have a guide who's grown up in the neighborhood where you're giving a tour. I think those stories can be shared by other guides in the sense of, oh, my colleague you know, lived in this building or my colleague remembers going to this restaurant. You still kind of get that credit for it being a really nice, intimate connection. So just getting the guides together and having them share these stories it's one thing that we try to encourage a lot, but I know it's hard for a lot of guides and companies because of timing, but getting guides to go on other guides tours is so valuable. So this is kind of a shortcut for that. Say, hey, what are the great stories that you tell on your tours? And maybe it works for other guides and maybe it doesn't, but just sort of giving them more for their arsenal. One that I would always use is, um, I my background also is as a tour guide. I was a guide for about 10 years doing every kind of tour you can imagine in New York City. So I would always share with the guides for Urban Adventures, they did a tour of Little Italy, Chinatown, that area. And they passed my grandmother's apartment. My grandmother grew up in Little Italy in a tenement, you know, with four brothers in room where they made the wine and the bathtub under the kitchen table. They actually pass it during the tour route. So other guides were able to give the story of my grandmother. And it was still a great intimate story that they would have never been able to find in a tour book or online, for example. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I've seen uh, this on tours where a tour guide will say, oh, Jane, our other tour guide experienced this, or Jane, our other tour guide actually lived here when this happened. And they tell a story from the other tour guide's uh, you know, life, which I always think is it adds a lot of color to the tour. It does. It does. Even when it's not their story, right? It still counts. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'd say the last one is more, I'd put a big caveat on this. I'm a really, really big believer in being very aware of a guide's time. As freelancers, every minute counts. So their commute to the tour, their commute to the second tour if it's in a different location. And I think sometimes that's one of the big gaps between tour printers and tour guides. Tour printers are entrepreneurs, right? They've given up their whole lives for this dream. They're working 24 hours a day. That's just how it is. It's not the same for guides. Every, every hour counts and every hour they can monetize. So normally I'm very against um, getting guides to do things for free. But during this time, you know, if you can frame it in a way of skill building, I think it's a great time to see what guides are interested in working on product if they want to look at product, if they want to review it, if they want to create content, maybe your guide is interested in social media content creation. That's actually a great side job for a lot of guides, something that they can get money doing. So maybe it's marketing experience for them, working with you on your current marketing, trying to figure out how you're adapting at the moment, creating things for social media. Those are all great things to work on with guides. And regarding product, you could even make it less of a skill building thing and more of an activity between guides, one of my favorite exercises to do was to have guides get together and evaluate tours. So you take one tour and you'd together come up with a rubric. doesn't matter what the qualifications are, but you'd say, okay, this tour, maybe it's based on your values. So one of our values, let's say, is the tour is fun. How do you judge fun? What's a one? 
What's a three? What's a five in fun? And then you can score the entire tour based on your brand values. At the end, it's really interesting to see which guides scored a tour very high and which guides scored the same tour very low. You know, and that then sparks a really interesting conversation on breaking down of the tour and why. Why is it easier for this guide to give? Or why does this guide feel it's a better representation of the tour brand, et cetera? Brilliant. That's five fantastic suggestions there for engaging tour guides. A question I have for you is, in this time, if you're listening to this in uh, April 2020, obviously we're going through the pandemic, the lockdown, and I'm speaking to a lot of tour operators who either have had to lay off tour guides or they're being furloughed or they're like, hey, you know, as you say, a lot of tour guides are freelance, but they still want to keep their spirits up. What do you think tourpreneurs can do? Obviously, these are five really good points for engagement. But right now, speaking to all the tourpreneurs who are listening to the show who are really struggling to motivate their tour guides, what advice would you have? I would say to talk with them, to be in constant contact with them and to be very transparent and to ask for their advice. That's something you hear, I think, a lot of leaders who are successful, CEOs who are successful during times like this, is asking what they think getting them to be involved. Because I would say the number one priority right now is making sure you're front of mind. Because when all of this blows over, guides are going to be the first ones back in demand. They'll be fine at the end of the day. There's going to be a need for guides and they're going to be there. They can do it on their own if they have to. But I think that's going to lead to more competition to get the guides. So I would say number one priority is being front of mind in whatever way you can do that, whether it's giving them value, whether it's asking for their opinion, whatever excuse you can come up with to either do one-on-one calls or get them all in a call together just to be front of mind for them. Yeah, maybe I'm seeing a lot of Zoom virtual happy hours. Maybe that's something just to keep people in touch and engaged as well. Yeah, it can be as easy as that. Again, I'm always a proponent of doing something that's valuable for them as well. Um, Because you have to think maybe they're doing something else in their time, learning a skill or something. So you do have to sort of pull them and motivate them to want to come to your Zoom happy hour. But yeah, whatever you can do, whatever works for your specific team. And what would your advice be to a tour guide right now who may be laid off or is freelance and they're sat at home. Of course, we're all pretty depressed with the situation. What can tour guides be doing right now in the downturn? I would say to work on their guiding. This is one of the hardest parts of my job, to be honest, is the average tour guide, even the average amazing tour guide, does their thing and does their thing really well and just repeats that thing that they do. It's very hard to convince them of this idea of constant evolution. But my argument is always, why not? Why not be better? Why not find different techniques to use? Why not find new stories to add into the tours or the topics that you always give? If anything, besides giving a better experience, obviously it's a little more fresh. It's more fun for you. Again, I used to be a tour guide and I would give the same tour again and again and again. And that's soul-sucking after a while, no matter how much you love it. So I would say for tour guides, now is the time to go back and look at the refreshers. Kelsey, as I mentioned before, from Be A Better Tour Guide has great free videos on his free resource section of very basic things that experienced tour guides don't think about anymore. And they're great refreshers to go back, to look at, to think about, maybe come up with a list of things you're going to experiment with. Trivia is a really big one. Some guides do trivia, some guides don't. It's a really small, specific thing. But think about how you'll experiment with that. 
Maybe you hate trivia. Give it a try. Think about how you'll do that on your tours. Think about how you can add something that's different or try something new. I think now's a great time to experiment with that. Yeah, I think I would add to that that there are a lot of free virtual tours going on right now. That even if it's, I think Get Your Guide had one, which was cooking pasta in Rome. And even if, you know, you were leading tours of Brooklyn, you know, still watch some of these because there are things you can pick up and say, oh, I really liked how they introduced the tour or I liked how they injected humor into this, whatever it may be. Because I read so much about entrepreneurs outside of the travel industry because I think sometimes we get stuck in our own bubble. There are so many more lessons we can learn from other industries. And I I know it's exactly the same with guiding that even if you are leading a tour of history in Washington, D.C., you can still learn from the donut tours in Chicago and what they're doing. Just pick one thing up from each session that can enhance your own guiding. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that's another thing that is hard to get guides to do, to go on other tours. When you give tours all day long, but you do, you learn so much. So maybe this is a great opportunity to do that because it's so much more accessible and you're sitting at home anyway. Do you know of any other courses online for tour guides? I know Kelsey has his course, although I think that's, he has the Be A Better Guide course. Other like paid resources that you recommend that tour guides could sign up to during the downturn? Yeah, I think you had had from, is it Trip School, Mitch? That's another great resource. ITMI is another really great resource that's mostly based in the U.S., but they have people all over. Um, They have really, really great in-person courses, and I believe they're bringing them online now as well. I would even say reaching out, like, you know, it doesn't have to be tour guiding. Tour guides are educators. Tour guides are professional speakers. Tour guides are storytellers. So even branching out and looking for resources there, like finding storytelling courses, finding um, public speaking courses, finding breathing technique courses. This is a great time now to brush up on those skills that are going to round you out as a guide. That's brilliant. And I will add some of these to our show notes today, some resources that we're talking about on air. What advice would you have for a tour guide out there who might be like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to get hired post the crisis. Maybe it's time I started my own tour business. Obviously at UA, and I appreciate you're no longer at UA. So if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. What advice would you give to a tour guide who might be like, okay, I want to start my own business. Should they go a UA style route where they're part of a bigger company that's going to help them? Or you know, what are the advantages of doing that versus going on their own? I think it totally depends on how much you want to put in. Again, being an entrepreneur is not for everyone. So if maybe you want to start your own company, but you're not sure how to do it, you want resources, it's going to be worth it for you to join a model like UA, or I think there are a few other, even a program, right? So you could join UA um, where it's built into the model, or you could even take a course online for how to build your company. And you're going to be putting up a lot of capital in that sense at front for a course or a percentage what you're making through a model like UA, but you're going to have that support. That's what you're paying for. You're paying for at UA specifically, you get a global sales team, you get a global marketing team, you get the opportunity for these huge partnerships. That's the advantage of a model like that. Um, Whereas going out on your own, I think you are a little bit limited right at the beginning of how much access you can have to these resources. Maybe you can find the learning resources for you to get a huge partnership with a huge brand. Let's say a hotel or an airline is probably going to be out of reach for the first few years at least, if ever, just to get into those rooms. 
Oh, I understand that. So it's actually a way of if you don't want to deal with the business side, shall we say, you can, you know, put that in, you can accelerate that by working with someone like a UA and then focus on your your tour content. Now that makes a lot of sense. So can you share with us what were some of your favorite it doesn't have to be necessarily UA, but some of the favorite tours that you've seen out there, which are innovative and a little bit different. I'm very picky. <laughs> I'm sure you are too at this point. Um, I've seen a lot of tours, like more tour than anyone should ever humanly go on in a lifetime. So I think it's very hard to impress me at this point. But for me personally, in my travel style, I'm very drawn to tours that are very experiential in the sense that you feel like you're kind of a fly on the wall or just hanging out with someone as opposed to a more formal information-based tour. So I would say off the top of my head, one of my favorites um, was a tour in Mallorca where we, um, you know, you meet in the city and you hop on a local bus with a guide and you head out to the countryside, which is beautiful. And you pick herbs. So the entire uh, workshop was how to create your own liqueur, a local liqueur, which is sort of an anise-based liquor with herbs that are then sit in this bottle, you know, for six months at a time, and then you have this beautiful flavor. So the actual tour was going out into these fields picking the herbs and the guide was the son of botanist. So on top of that, you're getting all this information as to why this herb smells this way and which one's going to change flavor in the liqueur and which one's going to last longer. And then you go to his house, which is very special. And you, you, know, you take your herbs that you harvested in these wonderful straw Mallorcan baskets that he brings. You have a meal, you have some drink, and then you put together your bottles. And to bring home that glass bottle of the alcohol that I made was so cool. And actually, I still have it sitting here in my room. It's now been maybe a year and a half since I took that tour. Every time I drink it, it gets better and better. But I think about that experience in that day that I had. Fantastic. That sounds great. That was definitely one of my favorites. Other than that, I think I took um, another one in San Sebastian, another European one, I guess. It was how to do pinchos, basically. That wasn't the title of the tour. The tour was just, you know, a pinchos crawl through San Sebastian. But the way the guide framed the tour was basically pinchos one-on-one. And it was so amazing because, again, I'm that person. I want to walk into a bar and not everyone look at me like, oh, here's the tourist. She's going to get in everyone's way, right? I want to know how to greet people in the local language, how to order so I don't you know, stop the locals. So that tour was so beneficial to me because she taught me, this is how you order. This is how, you know, you pick one bartender and that's the same bartender you go back to and you make eye contact and this is how you greet him and this is what you order and how. And it was so valuable because then, the rest of the trip in San Sebastian, I felt so confident to go out into these small little hole-in-the-wall bars because I knew exactly how to fit in. Wow. Now I just want to get on a plane and get over to Spain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that, oh, that was such a great tour. I'm also, to give it on another end, whenever I've run guide conferences and guide trainings, I always try and get guides on a free tour, whether it's Sandemans or you know some local company. Because I think it's so interesting to watch those guides work because they obviously are working for tips or they're working for upsells. So maybe it's a little strong for some, but it's a great example to see, right, of how far you can kind of push and what techniques they use. So we had a guide who um, was wonderful, you know, very engaging. And she did the silliest game. It was like uh, she would kind of ask a question before she'd give the answer. You know, who knows what the population of Lisbon is or whatever it was. 
And then when you'd answer, if you got it right, she'd give you a point for your country, right? She'd be like, okay, US, you have one point. And it's the silliest thing. We were all adults, but you just got so caught up in it. You're trying to listen and you're trying to repeat the answer and you're trying to get the answer in before someone else and you're checking on the points. And that was such a great example of this like very quirky technique to keep people engaged. It was just a tour of Lisbon, a free tour. It wasn't anything remarkable, but I will always remember that experience because of that game that she played. Yeah. I've, I'm yet to go on a free tour. I've never gone on one. It was oh, only- they're interesting. <laughs> yeah, I guess in the past, I kind of thought, oh, I'm not going to do that because I want a quality tour. But since starting Tourpreneur and speaking to some of the companies and people who offer the free tours, I now understand that model a bit more. So I really should try one at some point. And you are getting, not to say anything bad about free tours, but there is the assumption that it's a lower quality, right? Or that the experience has more people and maybe it's a less engaging crowd of people that you're with. But I will actually argue that the guides are going to be very high quality in some ways because they're working for those tips. So watching them, they have to be engaging. They can't just phone it in and collect their paycheck. If they have a bad day, they're not getting paid for that tour. Oh, I will definitely go on one. I'll probably try one in Berlin when I'm there next because I know they have lots of those that I've seen. Well, Nikki, maybe what we should do for a future episode of the show is invite you and Claire on with Margaret and maybe we can have a roundtable about, you know, the top traits of tour guides and also some of the pitfalls of tour guidance, you know, some nightmare situations that you've seen when you're on a tour. I think that would be a fun conversation, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I was even, I believe you had Mitch on recently and just listening to that, you know, this is like my life. This is what I live and breathe. So it's so exciting to hear someone else talk about it and talk about, oh, you know, an experience on a tour and choreographing the tour, you know, that whole episode. I was like, yes, yes, in the background. So yeah, it would be wonderful to get a room of people who love talking about that. Yeah, I have to say, I would love to go on one of Mitch's courses. I'm really fascinated in there because as I said on that episode, you know, I know the business side and the entrepreneurial side. I don't know how to craft and build a good tour experience. I've been on lots of tours, but I would love to go on you know, his tour director course, for instance, and see how that all works, especially because and this isn't a sales pit for Mitch, but I love the fact he takes people on the road. It gets people out of the classroom or from away from a computer and you get out on the road and work and learn together. I'm, I'm really intrigued by that. I think that actually makes me think, people often ask me, what makes a great tour guide? And in my opinion, it's three things. The first is the personality. And you can't teach that. You have to have someone who likes people, who's interesting, who's passionate about what they're talking about. The second is the technical ability. And that's what someone like Mitch teaches, right? Or ITMI. That's harder for maybe a layperson to recognize. But if you've ever been on a tour that's just smooth, that's very hard work. And those are all things you can learn. They're very, very technical. They're very specific things. And all, all of that can be learned. It makes a huge difference. And the third for me is the tour. You can have an amazing guide, but if the tour is basic or flat or very specific so they can't make it their own, you're not going to have the utmost memorable experience. The tour is huge. It needs to have a story. It needs to have a purpose. It needs to have a rhythm and flow. These are all things that can be learned and all things that are very formulaic. 
Well, I just want to have this whole conversation with you, Margaret and Claire. I almost feel like I should call them up now and bring them on. But let's plan this one. I, I hope they'd be up for it. And I'd like to bring Mitch on as well. With It's quite hard to produce a podcast with uh, more than four people. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. especially big training personalities. That'd be a lot of energy on one podcast. Yeah, or maybe I show you how to host this and you are a guest host and all four of you can just riff for an hour. I'm open to that as well. Sure, sure. Fantastic. Well, Nikki, where can people find out more about you online? You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active there right now. It's part of how I'm trying to be proactive during this downtime. So I'm Nikki Padilla Rivera. And then on all social media, I'm N-I-K-K-I-B-L-P. And that's me on all social media. Brilliant. I will add that to the show notes. Nikki, thanks for giving us some of your valuable time today and sharing your wisdom with us. I really, really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. I appreciate this podcast keeping going. It gives me some sense of normalcy to listen in and tune in. And and I think it's wonderful for all of us to keep trying to move forward in one way. Marvelous. Thank you very much for those kind words. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.